you just need to do the on the job training. You just need to get tossed yeah. onto that tank and say, hey, drive that tank. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, you'll figure it out, like, or you might die. And guess what? You figure it out. Just like, yeah. you know, we're so scared, you know, as entrepreneurs, like, oh my God, if this thing fails, you know, there's a bridge right there. I'm going to be under that bridge, you know, with a trash barrel and a fire and like a roasted cat carcass. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm going to be cooking dinner. This is The Gently Mad, a show where I talk to and pick the brains of the smartest people running creative online businesses. Actually, not so much. If you're looking for that inspirational kick in the pants to help take your life and career to the next level, then this is probably not the place for you. To be perfectly honest, this podcast is about me. Hey, I'm Adam Clark and I'm your host. Thanks for listening. I do talk to people on this show, but instead of that double rainbow of success BS that you'll get in most entrepreneurial shows, we talk about failure, self-doubt, and all the insecurities that we all have that keep us from doing much of anything with our lives. If that sounds like your kind of thing, then head over to avclark.com TGM and subscribe. Any actionable advice or helpful tips are simply a byproduct and purely unintentional. What is up, my friends? This is The Gently Mad. I'm Adam Clark. Thanks for listening. If you're a new listener, welcome to The Freak Show. It's the best way I can say it, because this really is a freak show. I'm a freak show. It's just, I'm a mess, okay? I'm a mess. I'm trying to work through it, though, all right? I'm, I'm, I'm making some progress. I feel like uh, I'm not whining as much. I'm doing more things instead of overthinking things. I think I'm getting there. I don't know if it has anything to do with the fact that I turned 35 this week, and maybe that's a magic number that endows one with some maturity. I'm not sure. I think it has more to do with the fact that I've talked to some really great people lately on the show, and they've kind of kicked my ass a little bit, and it made me think I need to stop whining and thinking so much and just doing shit, you know, just do it, just get to it and do it and stop talking about it, right? Well, I think that's right. Anyway, great show today, unexpected show, as it were. Uh, I've got John Lee Dumas on the show, and if you are aware of the podcast world at all, then I'm sure you've heard his name. He's a very, very famous host of the show called Entrepreneur on Fire. It's a seven-day-a-week show. Uh, I don't. I think it's been going for a couple of years now. I'm not quite sure, but he, he's like, he's like up to 800 episodes. I mean, it's just ridiculous. This guy, 800 episodes. I mean, for for an average podcaster who does does a week an episode. I'm sorry, an episode a week. That's uh, yeah. I can't do math, so you figure it out. But that's a lot of years. Okay, even for me who who does three episodes a week. That's still, it's going to take me, you know, years to get to 800. And, and John's done 800 episodes, which is certainly an accomplishment. And uh, I got to say, going into this interview, I was surprised. Or not going in, I was surprised, but I was surprised at the end of the show. Because, first of all, this is the first time I've had anyone on the show that emailed me instead of me emailing them. And I, I don't want to make it seem like... John emailed me and said, you know, Adam, can I please come on your show? It's so great. You know, I kind of hope he thinks that way, but, <laughs> um, 
But John emailed me and and just with some kind words just to say, hey, I, I appreciate what you're doing. I think what you're doing is good. And and then we had a little email exchange and I said, uh, you know, if you ever want to come on the show, just let me know. And, and we booked the time. We did it. And we happened to do it just two days ago on my birthday. And I just felt like the conversation was so good. Uh, I needed to go ahead and release it. You know, I've got dozens of episodes that are already recorded. I don't really have a schedule or a plan for when they're going to be released. I kind of just go with what I feel like fits the the stuff I'm talking about this week. But this conversation was so good. I just I wanted to go ahead and release it and and, and get it out there rather than rather than put it in the queue, as it were. But like I said, it's I didn't know what to expect going into this show. Because, you know, I'd never met John. I listened to his show, but I'd never met him in person. And he struck me as a certain kind of guy, okay? And I don't think John's going to be offended by this. But, you know, he, he struck me as, as kind of a, you know, markety, sort of online markety kind of guy. And I, I know that sounds a little derogatory, but that's just that's just what I judged him as. And if if anything, this conversation has taught me how just stupid and idiotic it is to judge people before you know them, okay? Because I went into this conversation having no idea what to expect because I already kind of pre-labeled John as a certain kind of guy and a certain kind of guy that I wasn't. You know, I felt like I was kind of doing the opposite of what he was doing. And John and I had this conversation that just blew me away. I realized... I am so much like this guy, you know, we, uh, there was really, we have so much in common and I had just completely misjudged him. And, uh, it's, if anything, I've just been really kind of thinking about how selfish that is. And the fact that I need to stop doing that. I need to stop labeling people because of something I hear or something I see and instead get to know them and learn from them. There's this, uh, there's a ton to learn from John Lee Dumas, and I, I just was blown away. It was a great conversation. I loved it, and I also love the fact that we got to talk for an hour, and I don't even think we hit podcasting or business till more than halfway through the conversation. It was just a, a great, just a great, friendly conversation, and, and there's so much in common. I have so much in common with this guy, and it was, it was just great, and I'm really thankful to you, John, if you're listening, for coming on the show and talking. He did tell me one thing. I'm going to share it because it made me feel good, <laughs> and so I'm going to tell you about it. Um, he doesn't do this, you know, very much. I mean, John is all over the place. He feels like he's been on every podcast that's out there, but he's a busy guy. He does a seven-day-a-week show, for crying out loud, so he doesn't do um, long, lengthy interviews. He's got a very specific amount of time that he can devote to being on other people's shows each week. And uh, I feel like I got a little bit of a special treat here. You know, he gave me, you know, as much time as I wanted, basically, instead of the typical 25 minutes that he has for other shows. And I don't know if that means that uh, I'm doing something special here or not, but that's how I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it that way. <laughs> that's how I'm going to choose to look at that. So we just had a great conversation. I don't think, even if you think you know John Lee Dumas and you've listened to him be interviewed on other shows, I don't think you will have heard an interview like this 
with him before. And it, it wasn't all about the work and the tips and, and all that kind of stuff. It was just, I would say, a real, revealing, authentic conversation between two guys, one who is a lot farther along in the game, that being John, if you didn't know, <laughs> uh, just two guys talking about real significant stuff. And so I, I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. I want to tell you very quickly, uh, if you listen to Seth Godin's episode on Monday, I mentioned my podcasting course that is still currently in pre-sale. It's going to end on Sunday. And John isn't, didn't ask me to say this, isn't paying me to say this or anything. But seriously, if you're going to do a podcasting thing, just skip my course and go join Podcasters Paradise, which is John's podcasting community. Um, there's some great stuff going on inside of there, you know, so I would encourage you to do that. If you do want to get in on my course, feel like I might have something to offer in that regard, then definitely go to avclark.com slash course and check it out because the presale is going to end on Sunday and then it won't be available until the launch on February 24th and it's going to cost a lot more then. So if you're into this kind of stuff, first check out John's thing and if for some reason that's not quite the best fit for you, then check out my thing. <laughs> All right? That's the order I would recommend. So I hope you're having a good week, getting some work done, and, and not giving up on the goals or goal, as I think you should have, just one that you want to accomplish this year. I'm working on that stuff. It's going great. So far, it's going great. I don't know how it's going to end up, but right now, it's going great. So thanks for listening. Thanks for all the reviews, all the stuff, all the downloads, all the listening. Uh, my, my email has exploded. I don't know how to handle all the email. If you've emailed me, a response will be coming. I promise it will. I just, I'm having to batch it. I'm having to set aside an amount of time where I can go through and respond as, as many as I can and then come back the next day because... I'm not used to this. I'm not used to getting hundreds of emails a day. And, and you guys have just been um, flooding my inbox with this stuff. And it's great. I don't mean that negatively at all. <laughs> I just realized that sound negative. Please keep sending these emails. I'm getting emails from people who are telling me, Adam, this your podcast is so encouraging to me. And it has encouraged me or given me that kick that I needed to go do my thing. And that, that makes it all worth it. That That's worth more than any amount of money I could ever make from the show. And it just means the world to me. So please keep sending me those emails. If you need help, send me an email. I will help you. I'll do my best. I'll do anything I can to help you out. And you can email me at adam at abclark.com to do that if you want. All right. I'm going to get into this interview with John. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so let's do it. We'll be back with that conversation right after this brief word from our sponsor. A very wise sage once said, it's all about the features, baby. Actually, that's not true. I just made that up. However, that is often what a lot of companies tout about their products is their features. Well, I'm here to say that features don't mean shit. Features don't matter. Everyone has features. What less accounting gives you is a process and a system that saves you time and saves you money. How do they do that? Let's talk to Alan, 
Alan's one of the co-founders of Less Accounting. We, we help you with uh, expense categorization. So uh, we have about 30 billion transactions in Less Accounting through all our customers. And we know when we import from your bank or your credit card, if you spent money at Starbucks, we know that's coffee or meals. And so we categorize that for you as meals and entertainment because we know Starbucks is meals and entertainment. So we do some bookkeeping for you. It's all um, done through, you know, code. So you can see my expenses? Like, you know how much money I spend on Starbucks? Because that would be embarrassing. That'd be embarrassing. That's not me personally. No, our, you know, we have servers and that sort of thing. But I'm not looking through your books, no. Oh, so just like the Skynet accounting, less accounting, Skynet knows what how much money I spend on Starbucks, but not you, basically. Correct. No, I don't look at people's books, no. <laughs> so privacy. Privacy is another good reason to use less accounting. Privacy is good. You know, it's cloud-based, blah, 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 all those, all those buzzwords. Uh, but our, our goal is just, just to save you time uh, and not have an end-of-the-year frustrating moment. Keep your accountant happy if you just follow the rules, which is spend about an hour a month going through your books and reconciling your books, and we show you how to do that. And uh, by the end of the year, you should be good if you just follow the rules. Nice. Okay. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for uh, uh, telling me about uh, you know everything I'm doing wrong with your <laughs> software. I'm going to go and uh, balance my books now. You should do that. So, Less Accounting. Go check them out at lessaccounting.com slash TGM. And there's a page there with information just for you, just for listeners of this show. And in addition to all of that, Alan has agreed to give you guys, listeners of this show, two months for free. You can pick any of their plans and get your first two months free if you use the offer code TGM. Less Accounting. Accounting software for business owners who hate accounting. All right, it's that time. It's the time of the show where we get to the interview finally. <laughs> I know most of you probably skipped the whole intro. It's okay. I'm not going to take offense, but this is it. This is the conversation. Let's get to it. Here's my talk with John Lee Dumas. What's shaking, Adam Clark? <laughs> What's up, Mr. Dumas? I had to, you know, I had to answer prepared because I heard the Chase Reese interview. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Well, if you made it through that one, then congratulations. That was. Uh, <laughs> I can't promise I made it all the way through it, but uh, I definitely listened to the beginning. It was. It was. Qu- it was quite a marathon. Yeah. Anytime Chase and I get together, it's. Uh, it's it could be all day. You just never you just never know. So it's. Well, I loved your description about like bunny rabbits chasing each other around with hammers or something. It was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I was like I was like this conversation is uh, that was episode two for those of you who are uh, unsure. But um, yeah, my my description was that like imagine a yard that is or a, a field that is basically uh, philosophy and life and meaning and purpose. And it's like two little bunny rabbits chasing each other around that field for two hours. And, you know, at the end of it, we're no wiser than we were when we started. We just, you know, hopped around the field for a couple of hours trying to figure out what it all means. So <laughs> did I make up that hammer part? I think you made up the hammer part. I don't know. What yeah. would the what would the hammer do in that situation? I don't know. Just like bunnies trying to hit each other with hammers. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe, you know, there's a podcast for someone right there. Uh, yeah. I don't know. A bunny that's hammer a podcast. Uh, yeah, that, that's, a, <laughs> that's definitely a niche for sure. So so how's, uh, 
I wanted I want to ask you how San Diego is, but I don't want to be too jealous because I miss the West Coast and it's it's a rainy cold day in Tennessee right now. Yeah, most people ask that when I'm on video chats with them. I just take my little cam and I spin it around and their heart immediately breaks a little bit with the <laughs> the blue skies and the sun and the sailboats and the runners and the volleyball players and the stand up paddle boarders and the windsurfers and the kite surfers. <laughs> it, I could go on. Nice. I, I believe San Diego was uh, famously translated by Will, uh, Will Ferrell as a whale's vagina. I don't remember <laughs> exactly. Is, is that what it means? I don't <laughs> We, I think he made that up. Refer- I think Will Ferrell made that up. We refer to it as America's finest city. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I lived in Los Angeles for seven years, and I never made it down there, which is unbelievable because, you know, most of my friends who lived in L.A. would make trips down to San Diego all the time. I don't know why I just never did. We're the exact opposite. I've lived in San Diego for since 2009, essentially, except for a little break. And I've never been up to LA except to the airport one time. And I just drove straight there. Well, I, I hear that people who live there, like really, really, I mean, it's, it's often talked about as just, you know, one of the most beautiful cities and one of, you know, just great weather. Everyone I know who lives there or has lived there has had nothing negative at all to say about it. You know, I have nothing negative to say about San Diego. I have nothing I can say negative against Los Angeles just because I've never been there. I just have this almost innate distaste for the thought of going to LA, which is like, I guess why I've just never gone. I do have cousins in Corona Del Mar, Mm -hmm. you know, in Orange County. So I've been there multiple times. I definitely jive with that feel. Like I love it. And that's within a stone's throw of LA. So you know, well, that's, I mean, Maybe. a lot of people love, and that's what my point was, is that a lot of people love and hate LA. I've heard plenty of people who live in LA who hate it there. I've never talked to anyone who lives in San Diego who hates it, is what I'm trying to say, is that everyone I know who lives there just seems to never want to leave. Yeah, my buddies actually, Rick and Amy uh, Mulready, it's a good example of this. Amy was born and raised in LA, lived there her whole life. And they just moved to San Diego, which was going to be just for four months. And that was a year ago. So they're, yeah. <laughs> they're not leaving. They love it. Nice. Have you ever, uh, since you've been out there, have you spent time up Northern California way, San Francisco, wine country, you know, th- those areas? I had never been to San Francisco in 34 years of my life. And I yeah. actually just turned 35. No but way. When, for, was your, when was your birthday? Uh, December 16th. I... Today is actually my birthday. Come on. I'm Adam serious. Clark, happy birthday. Can <laughs> today, I sing happy birthday to you? Today is my birthday and I just turned 35 as well. So we're, we're, we're the same exact generation, basically. <laughs> I, feel like you've, I, you, I feel like you've accomplished a lot more with your 35 years, though. I, I'm, I'm, still, I'm, I'm, still like, I'm still playing in that field trying to figure out the, the, the big answers to the big questions and not doing anything. So, <laughs> Well, that's up for debates. And you did dodge my question, though. I did ask if I could sing you happy birthday. Uh, feel free. I might edit it out. I don't know if it'll make it in the show, <laughs> but I mean, um, let's just, let's just skip over the editing part. Cause you definitely would have to. Right. Right. <laughs> but, right. But just know in my heart, I'm singing to you, but nice San, San Francisco, the first 34 years of my life, I'd never been. And then for just a couple reasons, I spoke at creative live. Then I went up there for a mastermind. I went up there twice in like four weeks yeah. and Love the city. I have nothing but great things to say about it. Um, and like ran the Golden Gate Bridge, went to Alcatraz, did all the touristy things, which, you know, I loved. And overall, it was a great time. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's cool, man. I, I spent a lot of time up there. And I liked it. I, I don't know. I'm just mesmerized by L.A. I mean, I, I lived there for seven years, and I get why a lot of people don't like it. It just, you know, I also spent some time in New York, and I love New York. Uh, but there's something I just I can't describe it. Yeah, there's kind something of about Los Angeles. Mesmerized. Yeah, what do you it's, mean? Like, what mesmerizes you? I, it's it's well, part of it is the culture. I grew up in Atlanta. Uh, which is, you know, obviously the Southeast. And I moved back to the Southeast. Long story. I didn't intend to stay, but I moved back, met a girl who's now my wife. I never left that kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Um, and we've, uh, you know, we've always talked about going back to the West Coast. But, but the thing about LA for me is I, ever since I was a kid, uh, I was fascinated with books and films. You know, I wanted to be a writer and more specifically, I wanted to be a film critic. I mean, what seven-year-old or eight-year-old wants to be a film critic? You know, I just, I loved, <laughs> I loved the idea of going to movies, you know, before anyone else saw them and getting to think about them and write about them. And so I have to admit, a lot of it is the film culture, which, you know, nowadays is all over the place. It's not just in LA anymore, but there's just some, I don't know. It's just when I, when I went there, it felt magical it felt like wow this is this is where it happens this is where so many of these stories are made and created and you know just the whole the movies show business you know that that kind of stuff uh, is so fascinating to me and then after you live there for a while you realize it's a city just like anyone else it's not like you're running into tom cruise or whoever every day you know it's very rarely do those kind of things happen but um but i just loved you know, I, I just love the I love the environment. And I did also love the fact that there are lots of little indie theaters and cinemas and you can, you know, you can go, you can see movies. I, I can't tell you how many times I would go see a movie and one of the cast members or the director, someone was there at the showing and, and we're happy to stand around and talk to you. And, um, and I'm just fascinated by stuff like that. That's why I do a podcast is so I can talk to people, obviously, people, especially, <laughs> especially people that I am interested in. And so the idea of living in that city where I could, you know, run into people that I was interested in and just the whole culture, right? You know, it's it's kind of, you know, I, in one previous episode, I was talking to uh, Corbett Barr, who's the co-founder of Fizzle, and he uh, lives out in San Francisco, just moved to Portland. And, and we discussed the whole thing, though, that I don't know if my desire to go back, though, I imagine if I move back, I don't know if I would like it anymore. You, you never know how much of that is wrapped up in you know, and memories of what that stage of your life was and not just actually the place, you know? I had that same mesmerizing feeling when I first moved to New York City that you had when you moved to Los Angeles. Like I really was a believer, you know, that you, if you could make it there, you could make it anywhere. Yeah. Like I went there, like, and maybe that's because I come from the Northeast. I don't know if I kind of stamped that with New York City a little more prominence than LA, mm -hmm. but I definitely, when I moved there, I'm actually specifically moved to Tribeca. So, you know, like you, I love those indie theaters and Tribeca's chock full of them. You know, mm -hmm. that's Robert De Niroville. So yep. I was so into that and just walking Broadway and Central Park and yep. Fifth Ave. And, you know, that was, I dug all of that. Like I loved all that stuff. The very eclectic um, atmosphere and the restaurants were just so awesome. And I don't know why it just never was stamped on me that LA was that. I always just thought of LA as sprawling and, and it just is. Yeah. overrun with, you know, kind of, I don't know, 
fakers, I guess. You know, this, yeah. this is just all stuff that, you you know, maybe we get, you know, growing up as Boston Celtics fans. Everybody's like, oh, the Lakers, they're the L.A. fakers. And I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, they're fake. And totally. <laughs> so, who knows? But um, I, I love New York City. I lived in Tribeca and that was amazing. Why did you and leave when I decided, New York? It was for SoCal. It was for um, Southern California. And San Diego was really the only place I ever considered. Um, I just was in New York. I had a great job there um, for a short period of time. And then that job quickly just went downhill because we're talking like the 2009 timeframe where, yeah. you know, these internet startup companies that were rocking and rolling when money was flowing, you know, just absolutely dried up when the money stopped flowing. So yeah. that, that job quickly became untenable, especially in the the high price market of New York City. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, you know what, I've always wanted to live in Southern California. I've always kind of had that urging, you know, go West, my son, go West. <laughs> yeah. I never knew where that voice came from. It definitely wasn't my father. Um, but I was like, you know, I want to try Southern California. The only place that even sounds mildly appealing to me is San Diego. So I packed up my car, Adam. I drove 3,500 miles uh, to San Diego with only my car and whatever was in it. Didn't know a soul in San Diego, nor a job prospect. And I just had a studio waiting for me that I got on Craigslist. And so yeah. that was my introduction to San Diego. Well, you said you're not sure where that voice came from, but you know, uh, I feel the same way you do about New York as well. I love New York and, and I would, I'd be aiming to move to to New York someday if I didn't have, have kids. And I just feel like it'd be, it would be uh, impossible. Whereas LA, California, I could still have a yard potentially if I was rich enough. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I, I felt the same thing about New York. And if you felt that way, like where did, what, what was that impulse to go to, go to the West coast? I mean, do you know now where it came from or you're still not sure? I do actually. I feel like I just got to the breaking point with weather. I, I honestly believe that because <laughs> I did. I moved to New York City. I was like, okay, like I love this city walking around. It was amazing. You know, I moved there at the beginning of the summer. It was actually like in just the beginning of the spring. So the weather was great. I was walking around. I was loving it. But man, I'll tell you, I grew up in Maine. You know, I went to college in New England, specifically yeah. Providence College, Rhode Island. So I was just like, Inundated. When I was in the army, you know, I was stationed in Kentucky and Kansas, which both have brutal winters. Yeah. I was inundated with crappy, crappy bad weather. And then there, I, you know, this is this is like a true moment I had. It was right in right on on so right on Houston Street, so right near Soho. There's this massive, massive, um, not American Eagle. Oh, Hollister. There's a massive Hollister's right there. So I walked in there on this freezing cold, sleeting, raining day in the fall now, you know, fast forward like six or eight months of me being in New York City, loving it, by the way, most uh -huh. of the time, but freezing, sleeting, rain, cold. I don't even have a jacket on because like I was just, <laughs> and for whatever reason, so I was, I was just like drenched to the bone. I was cold. I walked into Hollister's and it's like this six story Hollister's and I turned around at them and there's this six story projected live streaming video of Manhattan Beach or Newport Beach, one of the two. Mm -hmm. Of and there are people running into the ocean, surfing. You know, <laughs> yeah. and again, there was there was a clock on it that said, you know, this is live, this is streaming. You know, it's ten, you know, a.m. in Newport Beach. You know, it's one p.m. here in New York City. And like, I looked down at my clothes. Like, I I looked inside of my freezing cold soul, and I said, <laughs> "What am I still doing here? You know, yeah. my job's going downhill." The weather sucks. I've been dealing with 
you know, crappy weather yeah. for my entire life. I want that. You can and say you you can say shit on the show, by the way. I was dealing with <laughs> shitty weather for my whole life. I want that. And so literally two weeks later, I was in my car driving to San Diego. And it only took that long, Adam, because my cousin was got got married at that at, on day 13. And yeah. I woke up day 14 and drove. You know, it's really interesting. Um I I thought going into this conversation, um, I don't know why. I just, you know, you you and I both have podcasts and, and they're a bit different from each other. And I just I just thought we would be these very different kinds of people. But so far, I mean it's only been about 10 minutes, but so far it's it's amazing how similar we are because I'm I'm exactly the same way. Like I've always wondered why weather affects me so much. Like I hate <laughs> the southeast because of the weather. And I loved the West Coast because of the weather. And and a place that has terrible weather, it, it it's not that you just, I go out and I complain, oh man, it's raining, you know, whatever. It like, it really affects me. Like I get depressed, like it affects my mood. It affects my ability to, you know, create and think clearly. And, you know, I, I don't know why, but weather has always, you know, that's always been one of the number one reasons I have moved to various places I've moved is because, um, you know, the, the weather just has such a big uh, effect on my outlook, I should say. And the other part of it is that you just picked up and moved, you know, with no, you know, with nothing. It was just, I'm going to do this and see what happens. And so much of like, I don't know how to put it. So there's tons of business podcasts and books and all this learning. And I feel like a lot of it, you know, it is action oriented, but a lot of it is about, you know, the slow, the slow steady steps, you know, like if you want to be a freelancer, you know, try to build up some clients and wait till you've got some sort of income. And, you know, it's just like this. And, and I don't know how to do that. And I've, I've always felt bad about that. But like the, on, the only way I know how to do anything is to literally just dive in and hope I learn how to swim before I drown. I mean, that's the only way I can do it. And I just can't do the, you know, ease myself in and see how it feels. And if it's too risky, then I can fall back on something. It's just like, <laughs> I just got to jump off the cliff or it's not going to happen, you know? And I wonder, it just sounds, you know, it's interesting that you kind of did that even with that move. Like, I don't know what's going to happen when I get there, but I'll, I'm confident I can figure it out when it happens. Adam, I think it's a little early for us to stab each other as brothers from another mother, but I can tell you, my <laughs> friends, I think we're heading that way pretty quickly, but I can tell you 100% and you can talk with all of like my past mentors and, and people in my current masterminds. Uh, they're just like, John, I just can't believe like you are like the most all or nothing kind of guy that I know. And yeah. I think that's the best way to describe it. Like I'm either doing something 100% or I'm not doing it at all. Like I either yeah. love this or I absolutely hate it. Like, you know, like I don't even want to think about it and I want to get it out of my bandwidth. You know, like when I decided to podcast, you know, that day that I was stuck in traffic and I'm like, I hate wearing this suit. Like I actually want to start a podcast. Like the next week I had quit my job. I had hired Jamie Tardy as a mentor at yeah. thousands of dollars a month, not even having a clue how to mentor. I joined Cliff Ravenscraft's podcast mastermind for a upfront commitment of $3,500 a month, having no idea where I was going. And the question was, well, John, like, like, how are you going to monetize? Like, how are you going to turn this into a business? And I said, I don't know. I just know 
that I'm all in. You know, I'm not going to stack all the pieces in a row because if I do, they'll never add up anyways and I'll never do it. So I am all in, baby. I'm doing this. And well, it's, I was there's 100%. A, there's a th- I don't know how to des- uh, describe it either. It's almost like if I go in with a backup plan, you know, in other words, if I if I was sure, if I had all the steps laid out of how something was going to work, then by that point, I'm ready to move on to the next thing anyway. So <laughs> it's like, you know, um, there, there's a thrill to going into something and not knowing what's going to happen and not knowing um, not knowing to me what's exciting is figuring out new ways to make money. And I mean, that's, you know, I don't want to bring it all back to money, but somewhere down there, that is a motivation. I, I love just trying to come up with new ways to make money. And I'm confident that wherever I land, I'll figure out how to support myself. So that that has, uh, maybe I just have a high risk tolerance. I don't know what it is, but that has lent some confidence to, you know, the ability to just dive in 100% because, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that even if it fails, even if it flops and I'm broke, you know, I'll figure something else out. You know, I just don't have that fear of, you know, what's going to happen if it fails and then I go bankrupt. And then what if I, you know, how am I going to feed my kids? And, you know, and it's, I don't know, maybe it's actually a little more irresponsible, <laughs> irresponsibility <laughs> than, uh, than high risk, uh, uh, factor. Show, but, me, show me any successful entrepreneur at a high level that wasn't irresponsible, not only at some point in their journey, but multiple times throughout their journey. I mean, you can't find one because irresponsibility comes with the field. It's part of the game. And, you know, when I was in the military, like way back when I was in my early twenties, I learned this. Sometimes you just need to do the on the job training. You just need to get tossed onto that tank and say, Hey, drive that tank. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, you'll figure it out. Like, or you might die. And guess what? You figure it out. Just like, you know, we're so scared, you know, as entrepreneurs, like, Oh my God, if this thing fails, you know, there's a bridge right there. I'm going to be under that bridge, you know, with a trash barrel and a fire and like a roasted cat carcass. (laughs) And, you know, I'm going to be cooking dinner, but you know, that's huge for me. Like, I really just think that people that try to line things up so like just in order when they get to like step seven of like 30 and step seven doesn't work Adam, that derails them. But guess what? If I don't know what step seven is, I just know that I'm going to go forward and get down the road every day somehow. Yeah. Then how can I ever really be disappointed when things don't work out? Cause I didn't really expect them to work out anyways. Yeah. It's like, I just, I've watched it so many times. Um, but you know, there's some little videos or books or whatever you go back to over and over again. And one of them was, a it was a commencement speech by Neil Gaiman um, he gave a few years ago. And he said something in there um, that I've repeated myself all the time is that, you know, it's a great blessing to be um, ignorant enough that you don't know what you're trying to do is impossible. Uh, because <laughs> yeah. because if you're if you're ignorant of the fact that you can't do what you're trying to do, oftentimes uh, you're able to do it, you know, and if you knew that, if, if you knew all those things, you wouldn't attempt it because it would be too scary. You know, no one's done it before. Everyone else has failed. So how am I going to be any different? But when we go into these things, you know, obviously you got a plan. You know, I'm not, people get on to me about that. I'm not saying, you know, jump blindly. You know, you do have to have, uh, do some planning and, and some thinking, but, but still, yeah, if you wait till, I, I can't get past the fact that most of the people I've seen be successful um, started way before they thought they were ready to. 
You know, and if you wait till you're ready, if, if you wait till you're feel ready, then you've waited too long. I mean, my first 50, five zero Entrepreneur on Fire interviews are horrible. I mean, I was really, really bad. I had zero experience. It showed in every way, shape and form. But, you know, if I had ever waited till I was good, like I never, ever would have started because the only way to actually get good at something is to do it really badly a number of times. And I mean, how many times, Adam, have we like looked at, you know, a three-year-old or a five-year-old and just like seen them like jumping on a trampoline or swinging on a swing and there's just pure joy. And, you know, we just have to think to ourselves, you know, man, you know, they just have this unadulterated joy. They're not thinking about rent or mortgage or student debt or all this stuff. They don't, it's not even in their periphery. And that's why ignorance is bliss. And ignorance can truly be bliss for entrepreneurs. So stop thinking so gosh darn hard, guys. I know. Yeah. I feel like I've come to that. uh, I've never, I don't know if you're one of these guys, you know, a lot of people write those, uh, you know, when you, when you turn, you know, it's your birthday, it's like 35 things I've learned in 35 years or whatever. You know, I've I've never written those kind of blog posts, but (laughs) I don't even write. um, (laughs) Yeah. Which is something I want to get to, but, um, but I did write something the other day and I feel like, uh, I feel like, uh, some things are changing at least in my, in the way I, way I think about life. And it's a very subtle shift, but it's very interesting to me how this is happening. It's that I feel like I've spent most of my life on what I would call the search, you know, the search for whatever, meaning, purpose, happiness, contentment, success, um, adulation, approval, whatever. But the search for, it's a constant search for something. And, uh, I feel like I, I, I've come to this realization that that, um, well, first of all, I'm not going to find it because that's not the way life works, but there's a subtle shift when you, you stop searching for something and you switch, you switch from the search to the journey. And, and the journey still is about discovery, but there's a difference there because it's uh, instead of this, like, I'm looking for something to complete me, it's like I'm trading in um, expectations for opportunity. Does any of that make sense, what I'm trying to say? A ton. I mean, it makes so much sense to me, Adam, because there's this really old stodgy guy, but, you know, he's said some great things, written some great books. His name's Earl Nightingale, and he said something in one of his books that resonated with me. And, you know, it sounds like he said it 100 years ago because he did. Um, but the actual quote is success and happiness is the gradual realization of a worthy ideal. And the keys there is gradual and worthy. So it's not yeah. the realization, it's not getting to whatever you think that, that, that journey endpoint is. No, it's, it is the journey itself. It's the yeah. gradual realization, but it's not just of any ideal like money or fame or fortune. It's of a worthy ideal. So when we can figure out how to combine those two, that we're realizing that, hey, I am actually gradually realizing a worthy ideal, things really get better. Yeah. It's just, you miss so many opportunities the other way because, I mean, you're not going to see, it, it, it's a difference between waking up every day and, and again, searching for success, you know, like, uh, how can I be successful rather than waking up 
and um, or, you know, like waking up and saying, you know, why why am I not successful yet? Why hasn't this thing taken off? Why haven't I made that money instead of waking up and saying, you know, what can I do today to get me there or what am I not doing that's keeping me from there? It's so subtle. It's just such a subtle reframing of the question. But it makes uh, such a huge difference because I I found that like most of the time in life, we don't often have these hard right turns that just change everything. It's often like these subtle course corrections that in the moment don't seem very big, but, you know, a couple of years from now will put us thousands of miles from where we would have been. Exactly. I've had a couple of those inflection points, Adam. I mean, I've really had these small decisions, you know, that I thought, you know, we're going to really just be a bump on the radar, end up being huge points that really shaped the next years of my life. And then I've had these huge moments in my life where I'm like, this is it. This is the big one that ended up being these small bumps on the radar. So, you know, it's really interesting that we just, we seem to give way too much value to something or just such little value to something when, and the reality is, you know, listen, like we're, we're living life here. Like give yourself permission to wake up every morning and to say, you know what, today I'm going to do something good. And that's going to add up to something special. You know, the two books that I love recommending to people when they first start out is The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy and The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, because those books just really hammer. They pick up one of those big bunny hammers, Adam, and they (laughs) hammer the point home. Listen, just do something good, even if it's little, but do it every single day. Be consistent about that because you'll be shocked six months down the road when you actually started to accomplish something pretty big, you know, and for me, Adam, it was that seven day a week podcast. I had no idea if that would work. I had no idea if people would listen to somebody who, you know, frankly was a very bad podcast host for a very long time. Like, would they ever listen to somebody just because he was bringing on pretty good guests that had some interesting things to say enough to a point that he could grow an audience that he could then turn into a viable business. And there was a lot of question marks there. And if I had actually sat down and looked at all those question marks too, too closely, like a lot of people do, then I never would have started. But I said, you know what? I know what I want in this world. I know that right now I'm not capable of filling that void and providing that. But I know at some point, if I do it long enough with enough consistency and just certitude that I can potentially get there. Yeah. And that's all I did. And it wasn't easy. And, you know, it was a long time before I saw anything but red, you know, in my profit margins on a month to month basis. Yeah. But I got there. Well, that was one of the things I wanted to ask you when you started Entrepreneur on Fire, the show, um, because I've done this so many different ways. I'm curious, when you started, did, did you go into this with the intention of, making money and making a business or or were you not even thinking about that and that and that has been a lucky ha- happenstance it was 100% with the intention of turning into a viable business as soon as it was feasibly possible yeah. you know that was my desire i was i wanted to take an idea and i wanted to turn a 7 day a week podcast into something that could support me um, going forward. And that was my 100% focus. And that was everything that I put all my hard work into, um, knowing that I had to go about it the right way. Yeah. See, the reason I asked that is because, you know, I've had a very uh, interesting experience with, you know, I've been podcasting for several years now, like you have. And I've, I've found that when I have gone in with the intention of 
trying to make money or trying to grow an audience or trying to get popular, you know, when I've gone in with an intention like that, it just never works. You know, I, I don't make money. No one listens. It's not interesting. And finally, I don't know when it was uh, October, November of last year, I was planning this whole new podcast. And and again, it was the same thing. I was going to, you know, I'm going to build this a business around this thing. And I finally was just like, you know, I got so fed up with myself. I was like, screw it. I'm not, this is not me. This is not me. I'm trying to be someone else. I was trying to be you, basically. I was trying to, you know, copy a model that someone else had used. And I decided I'm going to make a show that I want to listen to. And I don't care if anyone else ever listens to it. And that's, that's what I'm going to do. And so I did that and we're three weeks or so into the show. And it's by far, uh, the most popular thing I've ever done. I can't believe how many people listen to the show. And it's, so it's ironically that has happened. And so it's, you know, you face, I face a little bit of a dilemma at this point where now, right now, this conversation we're having, I could make a lot of money from this conversation, you know, but I went into this saying, I don't want to put those constraints on myself because that will pressure me to not be risky. You know, if, if it's my income, I'm going to want to keep it safe, you know, and when I do that, you know, it's, it's, it's not interesting. And, and when I am risky and push myself to do things that aren't comfortable, people respond. And so, you know, I'm in a little bit of that dilemma right now. You know, it's like I could make money now, but if I do, there's that fear that it would ruin it. You know, I don't know if you've experienced that anywhere along your journey because you went into it with that intention, but. I don't know. I just found that when I go into things with that express goal of I'm going to make this a business, that's usually when things fail for me. So for all intents and purposes, Entrepreneur on Fire in a lot of ways was a failure for a really long time. And so like the same intentions that I went in that you've gone into past businesses that have failed, you know, could Entrepreneur on Fire could have followed that same boat. I mean, people now see, you know, the the million downloads a month and they see the $300,000 of revenue per month, you know, and they see that. Yeah. But what they don't see is the nine months. I mean, nine months that I put out 250 shows. I mean, yeah. 250 shows, Adam, for somebody that's doing a weekly show or twice a week, uh, you know, or a twice yeah. a month show, that's years of putting out a show. But because I was doing it at such a rapid rate, you know, that was nine months, like 250 episodes, you know, you know, getting some traction, not a lot, making zero dollars during that period. You know, a lot of people would have packed in and quit and walked away and would be saying that same story that, hey, I went into it with the intention of making money and it failed. I went and and with the intention of creating a viable business and that failed too. But with Entrepreneur on Fire, you know, I persevered. You know, I yeah. had a runway. I did have a, you know, a, a good situation where that runway, it wasn't, it wasn't infinity. You know, it was 18-ish months, you know, yeah. if I lived below my means. But I, I knew that going into it, I had that buffer. And luckily, you know, I only needed half of that 18 months. But the reality is, I could have packed it up and walked away many times throughout that period. And, you know, Entrepreneur on Fire would just be a footnote right now. But instead, you know, I persevered. So I think there's a lot of people that need to be listening right now and saying to themselves, you know, if I'm going to go into something and put my heart and my soul into it, you know, whether it be like Adam Clark and do what feels right for me, you know, or whether it be like John, who saw that there was a void in the marketplace and wanted to fill that void by hook or by crook, either way, you know, it's going to take 
persistence and perseverance to get to the point of turning into a viable business. Because Adam, you're off to a great start. I mean, you're ranking high in iTunes, you know, congratulations for that. You're getting well, a I great mean, it's, listenership. It's, <laughs> I mean, I've been doing, you know, like, again, people who listen to the show, like I said, it's three weeks old, but this isn't the first, I've been doing this for two years. And this is only now when, when it's become somewhat successful. And I think what I didn't do those first times around, um, as you said, is I didn't stick with it long enough and I didn't practice. Um, I think that's something I see a lot of people doing is that if after seven or 10 episodes of a podcast, they don't have a hundred thousand people listening, they quit. You know, right. or, you know, and, and instead of giving it 100 episodes, like um, I recently talked to Seth Godin and he ended the conversation by saying, well, call me in six years and let me know how it's going. You know, <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> That's you so know, sad. this stuff takes years, you know, so we quit. Too, I, I quit too early. And the second thing I didn't do is I just turned on the microphone. Since I happen to be someone who I think is a fairly good conversationalist, I love talking to people. I thought I could just turn on the microphone and be a great podcaster. And so I didn't practice. I mean, this is a craft like any craft. I mean, people wouldn't think that you could just pick up a pen and you're a writer, but I think a lot of people think they can pick up a microphone and be a podcaster, but it's the same thing. There, there are skills that need to be practiced to be a great podcaster. And I didn't think of it that way. I just kept doing what I was doing and no one was listening and I wasn't making any money. And, and so then I quit, you know, and, and, yeah, so I agree with you. Well, let's talk about that for a second, Adam, because I think it's a really important topic because you brought up Seth Godin, so that kind of brought to my mind the dip. You know, he yeah. writes in this book, he's like, listen, so many people and so many businesses start off on this high, and especially with podcasting, by the way, because it's so easy to start off podcasting with a high because yeah. there you are, you're in your first eight weeks, mm -hmm. you're featured in iTunes, new and noteworthy, so you're getting all this organic traffic, you're getting the iTunes new and noteworthy ranking juice and you're seeing yourself up there with all the big boys and you're like, wow, mm -hmm. like I'm getting this podcasting thing. And, and that's exciting. But then what happens, you know, then the real work comes in, you know, when, yeah. you know, the, the new and noteworthy gets taken away and, and, and you need to keep podcasting, even though your listenership's going down and you're wondering if people are still listening and that's the dip, you know, that's the plateau. Yeah. That's when, you know, things start to go down, you know, who is going to get through that. And, t and Seth talks about that, you know, very eloquently in his book about how many people quit during the dip and how many people actually quit, you know, even a few feet, days, weeks, you know, potentially even only months before success. Yeah. But, and this is a big but, Adam, there's sometimes when we are in a hole and sure. the only way to get out of that hole is to stop digging. And so yeah. there, there is two sides to that. And, you know, I wish that there was an easy answer because everybody wants that, you know, easy button answer right there, but there's not. Because, uh, I mean, frankly, for, for you, and maybe we should kind of talk about this, you know, if you had just been stubborn and bullheaded and just kept going forward, you know, with one of your past podcasts, you know, that that wasn't doing that well, then you never would have started the reboot, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, gently it's, mad. it's, uh, it's definitely, I, I'm, I'm not saying that, uh, I, what I'm saying is that I may have still ended up where I am now. I'm acknowledging the fact that um, 
I didn't practice and I didn't stick with it. And by stick with it, I don't mean I should have done it another year. But what I mean is I, I did that, you know, when that dip hit, when, you know, when I, I just didn't show up every day. And that's the point, you know, I, I did it and I took a seven month break, John. <laughs> and as you know, <laughs> if you take a seven month break at a podcast, it's, uh, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> so, um, well, I haven't taken a 24 hour break in the last two and a half years. So yeah. if, so if that's any indication of my agreement with you, then yes. Yeah. And it's just, but I do agree that um, it's, uh, the difference was, um, so so I should have practiced and I should have shown up more, but the difference was what I was making wasn't something I completely believed in. You know, I was making something because I wanted a certain thing out of it. I was hoping I was making something like if you're a musician, I was writing a song that I thought would be popular. You know, I wasn't writing the song I wanted to write. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a difference yeah. there. And and this show that that's the difference with this and I, and and it requires I don't think people realize like this is a 3 times a week show. It's not 7 like yours. But also, you know, most of my episodes are easily 90 minutes. Some of them hit two hours. And I spend I spend hours, hours with each episode just uh, uh, producing the show, writing the blog posts, you know, scheduling social media stuff, trying to get it in front of people. You know, in addition to the hours of recording and, and just doing the show, I mean, it takes... It's a lot of work, in other words. and I'm going to tell you right now that you spend more production time for your three-day-a-week show than I do with Entrepreneur on Fire, period. Yeah, well, you have, and you're a bit famous for this, I think, you know, you've got a lot of uh, systems in place, and, and I would not say that everyone should spend the time that I do with my show. Um, I just have a certain process, and hopefully it'll evolve over time. But um, I, I'm still... Your love shines through, Adam. The love <laughs> that you have for these episodes, my friends, it shines through. I just, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of the systems in place yet because it's still new. I don't know where it's going to go and I don't know how it's going to work out. It's just uh, it's just And those starting. evolve. I never, I never had systems day one. I mean, it, you know, to have systems, you have to first have a business in place. So, yeah. you know, that's the evolving that comes. It is It is the learning, learning on the job stuff. And... Uh, and it's 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 great when you reach a point like how far in were you? You said the first first fifty episodes were terrible, but did you have a point where you thought um, this is this is good? You know, like uh, like you 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 got on the bike and it didn't fall over this time. You know, was there a specific point, or did you just you you realize one day, hey, the last twenty episodes have been pretty good? You know, <laughs> yeah, that's tough because there there I will say that I feel like by about episode a hundred. I stopped dreading the interviews. You know, I would wake up like my <laughs> studio days and I'd be oh, like, because it was so much work. For I know me, what you Adam. mean. Yeah. It's, you know, it was like I was so inexperienced. I was so unpracticed. You know, I had never done this before. I had never spoken into a microphone. I never interviewed somebody like it was all so brand new. So it was like every single episode was like this birthing process. So yeah. at the end of my eight days, uh, sorry, my, my eight episode days, I would be exhausted. I'd be spent. I'd be like, oh my God, thank God I have six days to recover. You know, I'm like a marathon runner that knows he's running a marathon in six more days. Yeah. I was like, oh, I, I need to like go to bed right now and like get chicken soup and like do all this stuff and like not talk to anybody for three days. Like it was exhausting and it took a ton out of me. 
And it was about episode 100 where I'm like, you know what? I'm like ending these these days now. Like I'm I'm still having some energy. Like I'm still feeling okay. And then, you know, double that again by 200. I'm like, man, I actually kind of woke up this morning, like not with an anxiety pit in my stomach, but, you know, almost looking forward to these conversations. Yeah. And then, you know, 400, you know, I'm like, wow, I could do this blindfolded. Like I'm really getting into this. And now it's like, I'm at episode 800 plus, And I'm like, like, I really feel like I could just have a conversation with anybody at any point, anytime, yeah. anywhere. Like you say a word, it doesn't have to be English and I'll talk about it for 20 minutes. So, you know, to kind of su sum that up, I mean, <laughs> this is the biggest takeaway that I have. If you want to be do, I mean, I yeah. wanted to be a podcaster and even though I was really bad and inexperienced for a long time, I freaking podcasted my face off over yeah. and over again. And finally I became a podcaster. You know, it's like that 10,000 hours you, you hear Stephen Pressfield yeah. talk about so much and Malcolm Gladwell and whoever else, you know, do the work, you know, they're, they're talking about it. it is so true. Like you actually have to do it. I mean, in 2014, I did 60 live webinars for mm -hmm. Podcasters Paradise and for Webinar on Fire. I was a really bad public speaker when I first started. Um, like I get up on stage, I'd have like these keynote presentations with like 50 bullet points on each slide. And yeah. I was just like, have my back to the audience and reading the slide. And yeah. I'm like, that was a great presentation. <laughs> and you know, yeah. and now, cause I've done 60 live webinars, you know, cause I've spoken at, you know, like over 30 conferences around the world. Like I get up with no, with no presentation, with really no clear plan other than the point that I want to get across to the audience. And I talk, you know, I, I just did a 90 minute presentation, barely preparing, just getting up and yeah. speaking to an audience. And I can do that now. Whereas I would have been paralyzed with fear, even back at episode 300 of Entrepreneur on Fire, you know, yeah. let alone episode one. So it just, it comes with the doing. So anybody that's listening, like if there's something that you actually do want to do for a living and something you actually are passionate about, you need to do it a thousand times. And I mean, Adam, yeah. like that's what you're experiencing right now. I mean, you know, you've gone to the point where you're like, you know what? I don't need to be, you know, entrepreneur, you know, on flames, you know, yeah. like I can be, <laughs> yeah. you know, me, Adam Clark, and people are actually going to listen. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I, I don't know why it's, it's, uh, it's kind of, it's surprising. Somebody just registered that domain entrepreneur on flames while we were talking. Are you serious? Who got that? <laughs> no way. You got to be joking. Really? I am. I am joking. Oh my goodness. That would be insane. Uh, cause no one's listening live right now. <laughs> this is a live show, but, uh, that would be freaky. But, um, but so one thing I wanted to ask you is like, uh, are you a big, are you a big reader? Are you a big reader guy? Huge. I've been a reader my whole life. Um, it's something that was instilled to me at a really young age. And, I've always gone to the written word. And, you know, that's actually what got me into podcasting because it started with just loving reading books, but then being in a car all day. So I was like, okay, where's the audiobooks? Loving listening to audiobooks, but, you know, spending hundreds of dollars a month on them got pretty old pretty quick. And then yeah. having to find a free targeted on demand audio source, you know, which that defines podcasting. So I love reading. Um, you know, I go through a lot of books on a monthly basis. Well, the reason I ask that is because I'm interested, you know, I, I don't really hear people talk about this, but I, I've really fo started to focus lately on the fact that this thing is a craft like any other, and it needs to be practiced like any other. And so 
but podcasting is a little different. I just feel like people don't think of it the same way. Like they just don't think of it the same way as being a writer or a lawyer or whatever. So I, the, what I was getting to with the reading is how do you practice? How what ha, what have you done to intentionally get better at what you do when what you do is talk to people on a microphone? Yes. So, you know, practicing the craft is critical, you know, and I mean, this is just continuing on that theme. Like, you know, people love saying, I'm such a night owl. I can never be a morning person. Yeah. Well, yes, as long as you keep telling yourself that story, that's 100% true. But, you know, when you start waking up at 5 a.m., no matter what time you went to bed the night before, believe me, you'll stop being a night owl pretty quickly and you'll start being a morning person. That's just the reality of life. It might take you eight weeks of doing it. And so some people say, I just hate reading. I can never read. Well, if you find the right books and you sit down and you actually dedicate time to consuming the content within that is the right books because it does excite you and interest you, then you will become a reader too. And you know that's what I do. You know, I luckily get to talk to a lot of great entrepreneurs who have incredibly interesting books they recommend, you know, on my shows. So I yeah. never have shortage of great books and titles to listen to. And, you know, to be honest, a week doesn't go by where I don't get 10 plus books delivered yeah. um, you know, to my doorstep from, from just different people that I've had on or who want to be on the show. So, I mean, I just have this huge number of books. Now it's just like, what do I want to do as far as setting aside time to read? So I make it, you know, part of my day to sit down right on my balcony here and to read. And, yeah. and I do that, you know, with a very focused um, desire of getting the type of content that I want that's going to improve my business. But on the flip side, Adam, at night, which by the way, my night is like 9 p.m. is when I'm like, I want to be crawling into bed at that time. I'm not afraid to <laughs> yeah. admit it. I'm, I'm 35 years old. I act like I'm 85 yeah. because I wake up at five in the morning and that's when my day starting. Yeah. Um, I am not reading business books at night because my mind is one of those that would just like start a trip hammer. Of, yeah. Okay. Totally. I need to jump up and go change my opt-in form right now. Right. And so I'm a pleasure reader at night and I'll tell you, I'm obsessed with an author called Wilbur Smith, who's written so many books, a book a year for like the past 30 years on basically South Africa and hmm. and really the whole content in general. And so that's my night book of just kind of winding down. Well, I guess like, so is, is reading for you, is that the primary way that you do and have in the past practiced getting better at being a podcaster? No, I wouldn't say that. I would say the way, and I don't necessarily recommend this, but the way that you know I became a better podcaster and, and improved my craft as a podcaster was the podcast. Yeah. And you know, I, and I say that with an asterisk. I mean, I do think that that is the way you should try to become a better podcaster, but I honed my interview skills on interview number one with Pat Flynn, you know, interview number five with Michael Hyatt, interview number mm-hmm. 25 with Tim Ferriss. It's like, that's not when you should be honing your skills, which is why like, I love now talking about these great podcasting communities that have sprung up. Yeah. Like find these communities, find people that are at the similar point in you and just start doing and just start doing interview swaps. Like just start interviewing each other, not even recording it necessarily or recording it, but with no intention of ever publishing it and just hone your craft, like be proud of that craft. So I'm a big believer in actually doing the thing. And for me, if it's podcasting, then it's podcasting. If it's public speaking, you know, then it's actually doing a live webinar, which is, which is public speaking or actually getting up on a stage and doing that. So practicing that exact craft and, 
Um, I'm not, I don't really connect the dots with reading and um, podcasting, except for the fact that I do think it does improve your vocabulary, which, you know, you need to be able to get to words pretty quickly. Well, I mean, at the heart of what we're doing here is, is being good conversationalists and learning how to ask good questions and, Really, we're just we're trying to figure out how to be interesting. I mean, that's what it comes down to. I mean, the podcasters who are successful are successful because they're interesting. I mean, pe- that's why people listen. <laughs> it's because it's interesting. <laughs> and it's a lot harder to be interesting than you think it is. You know, um, <laughs> if you've ever tried to do a solo show where you just get on and talk for 30 minutes, uh, it can get very not interesting very quickly. <laughs> and yeah, that's the only way I know too, is just to keep doing it every day. I just wondered if there were, you know, specific things that you did, but you, you mentioned that you you don't write. And, and this is yeah. um, um, uh, something I wanted to ask you about is, uh, did you ever want to, I mean, did the thought ever cross your mind? I mean, you know, cause podcasting, it's been around for a long time, but only in the last three or four years, it's kind of blowing up a little bit. So, I mean, there weren't a lot of models, I guess I should say. I mean, a lot of the models were the people like Pat Flynn were the were the bloggers. They were writers and bloggers. And so I've struggled a little bit with the fact that, you know, that was my original intention was to be a writer and I just never could do it. I've never, ever, despite many attempts, been able to succeed at a regular writing habit. But... For some reason, I can turn on the microphone and do that every single day. And I don't know what the difference is, but for some reason I can do that. And so it's kind of a double-sided question. I was curious if you, like why you don't write. I mean, your your website, obviously there are blog posts and I don't know if Kate writes all those or you write all some of those. Okay, so she does. But, you know, um, is it, uh, I, I, what I'm getting to is uh, clearly you have proven it's possible to just podcasts, like all your content be audio form and still be successful at it. Like you don't have to have a blog necessarily. And yet you do, but Kate does it. So that's a weird question. I need to reframe that whole thing. Um, (laughs) I'm just trying to say like, um, you know, if you gravitate toward one particular medium like audio, um, should you feel the pressure to be blogging as well or be doing videos on YouTube as well, you know, this sort of be everywhere all the time attitude that can be really overwhelming, you know. I mean, if you don't like those things and you like podcasting, can you just podcast or or do you have to do some of those other things if you want the podcasting to be successful? One inch wide and one mile deep. That is my belief in every successful entrepreneurial story that's out there. Now, that's where it starts, Adam. It doesn't always end up that way. And, you know, I think Entrepreneur Fire is a good example of that. But if you're listening right now and you're going to start something, you know, or you've never had success at anything, I can tell you it's because you've never gone one inch wide and one mile deep with anything in your life you've ever done. You've probably been done the opposite. You've probably gone a mile wide and an inch deep. And guess what? You're not going to resonate with anybody when you do that because who's going to care about this shallow little thing you're going to be talking about or writing about or doing a video about because you barely care about it. You know, it's one of the million things you have going on. So, you know, find that one thing. And for me, you know, that was a podcast. That was a seven day a week podcast. I didn't have time to do anything else because I was so laser focused on one inch wide and one mile deep into my podcast, Entrepreneur on Fire. And that's why it took off because nobody else was willing to do that, Adam. Nobody else was willing 
to say, you know, F the world, F everything. I'm just going to do a podcast. And that's that's where I'm going to be hanging my hat. That's where I'm going to be not necessarily better, but just more than anybody else. Because, you know, I was just more, (laughs) you know, I couldn't be quality. So I I better be quantity. You know, I had to be (laughs) one of the two. And so, you know, and, and that was me. Like I was really so, you know, focused on just doing that one thing and really just hammering that home. Because Adam, that's one of the major reasons why it took me till 2012 to even throw my hat in the ring of the online entrepreneurship world. I have never, and I have never, and I doubt will ever have any desire to really ever write anything, to ever sit down and be a writer or to be, you know, somebody, you know, that I'm not, because that's just not me. And so I saw the people like Pat Flynn and I loved what he was doing with his blog. They were amazing. I would never do that though. And I never wanted to. So until I found something that I saw that I could completely crush, you know, which was the only person, you know, guess what? I was the best. I was, okay, this is, this is a really kind of, I think, telling kind of sum up. I was a really bad podcaster, but I was the best seven day a week interview podcaster (laughs) that existed. Because guess what? I was the only one. Yeah. So for those people who were like me, that were like, oh my God, I love Pat Flynn. His episodes come out once every two weeks that are 45 minutes long are the best thing ever. Yeah. But then I spend 13 days like crying, you know, crying in my sleep because, you know, I have nothing to listen to on my just painful commute to work. Well, guess what? My podcasts are going to be one fourteenth as good, but they're going to be there. They're gonna, it's yeah. going to be something. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's something else Neil Gaiman said in that uh, commencement speech. Is he said uh, there are three things: um, being good, being on time, and being pleasant. And the great thing is, you only need to have two of the three. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, he's like, you know, if you're good, then you don't have to be on time. You know, if you're on time, you don't have to be as good. You know, it, it was it was a really funny part of that. Speech, I was on but... time and pleasant for a really long time. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, so that. There is something to be said for just, you know, just diving in, just diving in and see and seeing what happens anyway. And and you've, you know, clearly, you know, gone a long way with that with that model. It's worked for me, Adam. It's been a it's been a fun ride full of bumps for sure. But, uh, you know, it's getting getting to have conversations like this with you and, you know, just meeting people at conferences, you know, who come up and they're like, Oh my God, John, like, I feel like I know you. Like I listen to you every single day. And I'm like, and they're like, I'm so sorry. I know how creepy this sounds. And I'm like, I, it doesn't sound creepy because that's me with the podcast host that I listen to. I feel that that way about them. And that's the beauty of podcasts. It is that intimate connection. And I love to, to be in this game. I love to be a part of this right now. You know, you have people that are listening to us right now, Adam, they're folding laundry, you know, they're cooking, you know, a hamburger on a grill, you know, and I just freak somebody out because they're actually cooking a hamburger on a grill <laughs> right now. And they're like looking behind them right now. Like, I see you. I know. And you know, like they're on airplanes and, you know, and they're jogging and they're, you know, it's, it's, it's such an intimate connection. And it's amazing to see the serials of the world and, well, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's why I love it is because if you think about it, what we do, I mean, it's the only truly mobile um, communication platform. You know, you can't watch a video while you're doing anything else. You can't read an article while you're doing anything else. You know, this is the only this is the only type of content that you can consume literally anytime, anyplace. I think Cliff Ravenscraft really put it best. He said, 
you can say yes to podcasts without having to say no to other things. And you know, we're busy people. Like if we're going to sit down and watch a video or read a blog post or watch TV, we have to say no to a lot of things. We have to say no to driving a car. We have to say no to X, Y, you know, you don't have to say no to really anything, you know, when you say yes to podcasts and that's what makes it so amazing. And to see what people like Alex Bloomberg of Startup has yeah. done. You know, here's a guy who five years ago, Adam, picture this, five years ago, you would have asked him, he would have made, you know, I'm putting some words into his mouth, but <clears throat> you know, whatever. He probably would have told you that he was at the pinnacle of his career. Yeah. He was the host of two of the most popular podcasts in the world, NPR Planet Money, This American Life, millions of listeners yeah. every single week, um, a cushy, secure job. People loved him and he was making like 85 K a year. And, you know, yeah. he had benefits and he had a family and security. And that was five years ago. You know, fast forward to 2014, he's looking around. He's like, who the blank is this JLD guy, you know, that's bringing in $300,000 a month that can yeah. barely podcast and he's done 850 episodes and he can still barely podcast. Like, and you know, <laughs> what am I doing? You know, this guy made more in the last three days and I'm going to make every single day this year, getting up, driving into New York City, sitting down in a studio, you know, talking, you know, about whatever they tell me to talk about and then driving home in the dark. Like, what is going on in this world? Things have changed. And that's just in five years, Adam. And now he's gone off, launched his new podcast company, Gimlet Media, with his podcast startup. And, you know, and here he is, in the blink of an eye, this guy raised $2 million, you know, to fund yeah. this venture from like real venture capitalists, you know, people that have funded Twitter and, and, you know, totally. different companies yeah. like that. And, 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 and he's crushing it. You know, he's got, he's getting $6,000 an episode for his sponsors that he has on the show. You know, he's hiring other people from NPR. He took away Alex Goldberg from NPR and said, Hey, I'm going to pay you as much as you're making at, at NPR right now and give you a cut of your own action. Yeah. I mean, this is exciting times, Adam. And you and me, like in anybody listening, that's getting into it anytime soon, we are right in the middle of it. It is. I know. I, I feel it's 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 nice to you, you ever think back and wish that like in 2003, instead of buying the first iPod, you had just bought that much worth of Apple stock, you know, because <laughs> you'd, you'd have like a hundred grand now, you know, um, I feel that same way. Like looking back, like I remember what it was like before blogging exploded and and blogger came on the scene and suddenly everyone had a blog and there was this whole new way that you could communicate with people. It feels that way now, like this thing is about to explode, but I know that, or I didn't know that before. And so there's- <laughs> You're in the know. You're, <laughs> not only are you in the know and you're on the inside, but number you know, number three, you have the personality, the voice, the equipment, the knowledge to, to make it happen. You know, you're like that Hawaiian surfer, you know, who knows <laughs> that, hey, if I sit right here and float in the water right now, in 15 minutes, the perfect wave- is going to not only have formed, you know, but is going to be right there for me to ride all the way home. And like, that's what we're doing right now. Like we are this, you know, we're sitting, we're floating in the water. You know, the view is amazing and, you know, we're, we're enjoying ourselves, but man, that wave is coming and it's going to be intense and it's going to be a blast. And guess what? I'm going to be honest. 
the wave is going to get spent at some point, maybe a year from now, maybe three years from now, who knows when it's going to happen. But I can tell you what, like because of that gradual realization that we talked about earlier, I'm going to enjoy the ride. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, that's, I think that's as good a place to wrap it up as 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 any. I, I feel like uh, I feel like this was good. I, I didn't like I said at the beginning. I didn't know what to expect going into this. Um, let's not th- come on. Let's not let's not talk you know around this year. You expected this was going to be a pretty lame interview. No, I didn't at all. I just expect. <laughs> I seriously, I did not expect that at all. I don't consider what I do interviewing. I consider what I do talking, and I, I fully admit, as the intro of my show says. This show's about me, and I just talk to people that about stuff that I want to talk to. It's not so much an interview about who they are, but um, I did not expect to, uh, you know, uh, uh, align with you so much as, um, you know, or feel the same way about so many things because what we do is quite a bit different in some ways, and and I I just didn't I didn't think that uh, there would be that much. Uh, whatever you would kind of call it, kindred spirit there, but uh, it is now. We can say it now. We can say brothers from another mother now. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have <laughs> to have met you. Maybe we'll meet in person someday on the West Definitely. Coast. I will, you'll never see me surfing, but um, but you will see me at the beach probably. So anyway, it, it was great to have you on, man. I appreciate your time. Thanks for thanks for coming on and, and talking about all this stuff. It was a blast, Adam. Thanks a lot, bud. Well, that's it. That's the show. What did I tell you? I told you. This guy's brilliant. Great guy. Great guy. I, I, I really enjoyed this conversation with him. And as he said, brothers from another mother, I'm not quite sure about that, but we definitely have a lot in common. And I hope to meet you in person, John, this year at one conference or another, because you definitely surprised me, my friend. Uh, and I apologize. I definitely need to apologize for misjudging you and uh yeah that's a really shitty thing to do i'm sorry i did that sorry i do that to a lot of people and uh, it was great really really enjoyed this conversation so i hope you did too thanks for listening i really do appreciate it if you liked it tell people about it that's how people find this show that's how more listeners get to it that's how i can make money and devote even more time to it if you like it tell your friends and go and leave me a rating and review. I would greatly appreciate that. You can follow along on Twitter by following me at AV Clark and Facebook. We're kind of all over the place. What else? I think that's it. I think we're done. All right. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a great rest of your week. I'll see you next time. <laughs>